many, many people are in the NEC every day? There's a lot of voices on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, we are we are I think maybe we should we should um no 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 maybe we should introduce ourselves because that means no, no, no. Doesn't matter, I just want to know because that place is sounding like the voice of many waters. So I wanted to know. <laughs> we, we, we never wanted us to connect online, or you can see Messi there is connecting with you. Yes, Messi, I can see Messi definitely. I want to connect also later, but uh, okay. here we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We are nine here. Okay, uh, okay, okay. And other people are still coming because some of them are still writing exams. Okay, no, no problem, sir. No problem, sir. No problem. It's good to see you, Mercy. After a long time, I'm happy to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you, Mercy. Okay, uh, let's just let's just pray again. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We bless your name. This evening, we ask and we receive revelation knowledge as we study the scriptures, as we study. Bible interpretation as we study how to study your word. We ask and we receive clarity, accuracy, precision in your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Every mind listening, every mind listening receives the light of the word of God, receives the light of Jesus in their heart. To the end, they are able to walk in and practice the same in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, so today we're just quickly going to just, you know, get on with it. And, um, I was instructed to teach on Bible interpretation or how to study your Bible or how to read your Bible, whatever name you want to call it, you know, so, but you can just call it the Bible basically. So we're just going to really do, um, some sort of, um explain i'm going to explain then we're going to do some sort of practice because since this is the bible study unit um it is to the end that um each person that is listening to me is able to an extent interpret the scriptures that is you're able to interpret and explain so we're going to in the period in the short time we have we're going to um creates just if maybe 15, 13 minutes as I explain on how to interpret the Bible. I will call, I will ask that you should read a particular text and tell me what the text is saying based on the explanation I would have given. Do you understand? I hope you do. Sorry, I, I, I would love if there can be some responses. So I want us to write this first. First thing is that the Bible is literature. That's the first thing. The Bible is literature. That is Genesis to Revelation. What, what I have here, what you have here with you, is literature. That's the first thing that we must understand. It is literature. Now, if that is the case, it will mean that Bible study Bible study or Bible interpretation doesn't start <clears throat> with prayer. Bible interpretation 
or Bible study, whatever you want to call it, or how to, you know, study the Bible, you don't start it with prayer. You don't. It's like, uh, I, I will give you a parallel explanation and come back to this. It's like saying that you want to pray for somebody to grow spiritually and that person is not your disciple or is not doesn't come to your church. It's like maybe, for example, Pastor Fred, who is pastor here, is saying that uh, I want to begin to pray for um, somebody he has not preached to, somebody he has not trained, somebody that has not heard the word. He's saying, I want that person to grow spiritually. It's a fertile effort, right? You only pray for someone, someone that you have taught the word. You only pray for someone that has listened to God's word. Maybe you are praying for him to grow spiritually. You can pray that because the person is listening to you. Okay? So in the same way, Bible study does not begin with prayer. Praying before studying God's word, praying before reading God's word, is like watering a soil without no seed. I'll say that again. Praying before the study of God's word, Right, it's like watering a soil and there is no seed. So, before prayer, as it were, would come into the picture. Oh, I want to know God. I, I you know, we sing the songs. Oh, I want God. To, I want God to reveal Himself. I don't know those lovely things that we say. Before those things come into the picture, the study of God's word must come first. That is, the first thing, the first thing in understanding the scriptures or understanding the Bible as a literature is, is that it must be taught. Just like, what what does that mean? It must be taught. The first rule of Bible or the first step, rather, not rule, the first step in understanding the scriptures, the first step in understanding the word of God is that it must be taught. It must be communicated to you. Okay, let's let's see something. Let's see a text of scripture that buttress what we're saying. Look at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Just ensure you have your Bibles and you're opening and you're reading together. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 25. Luke 24, 25. Then he said unto them, All fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophet have spoken. 26. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded unto them. Can I, okay, I can continue, right? So he says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning, the things concerning himself. Now, Luke chapter 24 is said to be one of Jesus' Um, 
He said to be one of Jesus' elaborate explanation or elaborate Bible study. This event in Luke chapter 24, this is where Jesus explained the scriptures, right, in the most clearest and direct manner in Luke 24. Now, but I want you to pay attention to how Jesus begins this study to his disciples here. In verse 25, Jesus says, he said unto them, all fools. Now, the word there means foolish. Foolish. Now, the word in the Greek of the word foolish, it means without understanding. Without understanding. So, now, understanding deals with your mind. Your mind. When you say you don't understand something, it means it's your mind. So, what, what, am I, what are we saying so far? We're saying that in Jesus' Bible study, Jesus' Jesus's most elaborate Bible study, he introduces an element, the mind. The mind. That means in Bible study, right, the mind must be engaged. It means in Bible interpretation, you must use your mind. You must use your mind. So, Jesus is saying to the disciples, you are not using your mind. You are not using your mind to understand the scriptures. You are not using your mind to understand the scriptures. Remember how I started. The Bible is literature. Remember. If that's the case, the next thing is I said that Bible study doesn't begin with prayer. The first thing in Bible study that it must be taught. Now, Jesus is saying also that your mind must be involved in Bible interpretation or in Bible study. I would um, interchange those words as I go on. It's just the same anyway. So it shows that a pillar of Bible study is your mind, your attention. A pillar of Bible study or Bible interpretation is your attention. Your attention. Your attention. Some people used to say, uh, uh, what about the Spirit of God? We're going, to, we're going to see what the Spirit of God does in Bible interpretation soon. But first, this is, this is the first. So, <clears throat> a pillar of Bible study, a pillar in Bible interpretation is your mind, your attention. And you see, you know, the, the thing is, you know, I must say this here, and it's instructive. You you compromise, you compromise Bible study or learning God's word when you come late for Bible study meeting. You compromise it. So ah, why, why, why? Because by the time you finally come in and you are listening to the pastor, before your mind can even grab what was said or what is being said, you have missed certain things. So you compromise 
Bible study when you come late. Because you have compromised the understanding of what is being said. You have compromised the understanding of what is being said. Because your mind has missed out on vital information. Vital information. Now, so Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 24, verse 25, you are not using your mind. You are not using your mind. And he's talking about the scriptures. The next thing he says, he says, slow of art. Slow of art means to be sluggish. To be sluggish. It's an attitude, right? It's an attitude in study. So Jesus is saying that his disciples were not catching the meaning of the scriptures quickly. They were not catching the meaning of the scriptures. So they were not diligent in understanding what the scripture meant. Because slow, but means sluggish, to be sluggish in your heart. Now, it means not to be diligent at something. That's what slow about means. Not to be diligent. So, if all this that we're talking about now are not resolved, like your mind, you don't pay attention, uh, you're not diligent to the study of God's word, there's no point. Saying that, for example, if we say, oh, let the spirit of God come and speak to me now, there's no, there's, we'll be wasting our time. I, I like the spirit of God to, to brood in my heart and tell me what the word you are wasting if you are not paying attention right if you are not paying attention and you are not diligent there's no brooding that will happen amen or you know some people go and say call the deep collect to deep <laughs> <laughs> nothing like that so <clears throat> now the word slow of art in the greek is the word uh bradyscadia if you want to spell it, I'll spell it for you. B-R-A-D-U-S-K-A-R-D-I-A. B-R-A-D-U-S-K-A-R-D-I-A. So, now, it's the opposite of this. Let me show you the opposite of this slow bar. So, put your hand in Luke tw- chapter 24 and go to Second uh, Timothy, quickly now. Second Timothy chapter 2. So that uh, let's be a bit faster so that we would get to would land safely. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. This is the opposite of slow of art. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, the word study in 2 Timothy 2, 15, that word study, is the word to be eager, to be diligent. It's the word spudazo. S-P-O-U-D-A-Z-O. 
S-P-O-U-D-A-Z. It means to be eager, to be diligent. Be diligent, be eager. So there is a diligence when it comes to Bible interpretation. When it comes to Bible, so there's a diligence to it. There is a diligence to it. So let me ask a question. Let me just ask this question. It's sort of a rhetoric, but now, is it the spirit of God that is telling us to be diligent? Listen to my question. Is it the spirit of God that is telling us to be diligent? Is it the spirit of God that is telling us not to be foolish? Well, the answer is yes, because the word is the spirit of God talking to us. The written word is God's spirit talking to us. So before you say, I want the spirit to come from an eye, or I want the spirit to speak to to me on the inside, on the inside, right? He has already said one thing already. Before you wait for the one on the inside, right? He has said, be diligent and don't be foolish. Amen? That's what he said. He says, be diligent and don't be foolish. Because the spirit of God and the word of God is one. They're one and the same. So, the Bible teacher, the Bible teacher, when it comes to, oh, I want to interpret God's word. Oh, I want to study God's word. The Bible teacher must prepare his mind to have full attention and he must be eager to learn. He must be diligent to learn from the scriptures. Now go back to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. This is very, very important. It says, verse 27 says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now, what does that mean? Now, for those who probably may not know this, let me just explain very briefly. When he says beginning at Moses, Jesus is saying that I started explaining at Moses. That is the book of Moses. Now, what are the book of Moses? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, the Trinity, the five books. You see that now. So Jesus is saying, when he said, beginning at Moses, I started there. Then he now says, and all the prophets, that is, all the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, <clears throat> Usia, Micah, all the prophets. He says, he expounded to them in all the scriptures. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures. Now, <clears throat> look at verse 44. Look at the same place, verse 44. Please, I'm about to say something very important about Bible interpretation. And this, this will be the key in unlocking anything when you are reading the scriptures. This is what I'm about to say. Just, just follow this. Now, in verse 44 of Luke 24, now Jesus is raised from the dead and he's talking to his disciples. Verse 44. He said, and he said unto them, 
These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written, look at it now, in the law of Moses, yes, what, what's the next thing he says? Come on now. In the law of Moses, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Concerning me. So that means, listen now, that means Jesus is, now, okay, let me ask this question. Where is all this? Law of Moses, Psalms, and Prophet. Where is it? Is it? The, exactly, the Old Testament. So that means Jesus takes the, the entire Old Testament, the whole book, Genesis to Malachi, and he teaches from the whole book. He reads from the whole book. What does that mean? It means that the first thing you should identify is that Jesus ensures that the scriptures are read together. The scriptures are read together. That is, you read everything. So this is number one rule. The number one rule of Bible interpretation or Bible study is read. That's all. Just read. No Greek, no Hebrew, no, no. Read, just read. Before you invite the spirit over, before you say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome as I'm about to start, you know, read first. Read the Bible. That's what Jesus did. He explained, he read through. What does reading mean? Reading means read. You just read through. In the Bible, there is no area of concentration. Uh-uh. So there's an once you read that area, you know Jesus. No. Once you read that area, you can know God. No. It is all the scriptures. All the scriptures. Can, 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 do you see that in verse 27? Do you see that in verse 27? He expounded unto them in all the scriptures. So read the Bible. That's the first thing. Just read it through. Read that passage through. Read that book through. Just read it through. When, when the preacher is preaching, right? And he probably quotes a verse. Go and check it. Read it. Because what you don't read, you can't know. You see that now? What you don't read, you can't know. Now, what kind of reading? Pastor Marcus was saying that um, um, some of you guys there are writing exams and things like that. You know, I'm sure, you know, when you're when you preparing for your exams, it's not, you didn't take your books and you, just, you didn't glance through it. I don't think so, right? I don't think you just went, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I don't think you did that, right? You think it's, not, it's not casual reading. We're not casual about it. 
Do you know that this is the same way you need to study the Bible? It's exactly the same way you need to study the Bible, if not more. So you're not you're not reading the Bible like the way you read newspapers. Just you know, you just read the headline and just go away. No, you read it thoroughly. You read it thoroughly. See, guys, when you sing songs, I want uh, what's that song? Um, I want more of you. The more I know that lovely, beautiful song. When you sing that song, don't expect, right? Don't expect that all of a sudden, whether you're singing to your room or maybe you're singing it in the church or wherever you're singing, all of a sudden, the entire heavens will be open. You'll just see the cloud descending. You'll see angels come and Jesus will be like, you want to know me? Come up. <laughs> oh, it's not going to happen. You know, it's, it's not like that. And sometimes, I know this by experience, especially ladies, when they sing that song, especially that song, that song is very emotional. I want more of the more, you know, what they are thinking in their mind. Sorry, ladies, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just by experience. As I said, it may not be anybody's experience, but my own experience. I've seen it in some ladies. So, so don't quote me. You understand? If you ask them, how do you want him to know? You say, I just want to be talking to Jesus. I just, you want to have boyfriend? <laughs> you want to have boyfriend? Don't. I just want to talk to you know. I want Jesus to tell me what clothes I will wear tomorrow. What should I eat? <laughs> it's not in scripture. That means you don't want to know Jesus. You just want. You want a best friend, okay? It's good. You can have, you can go and look for a best friend in the local church, amen, not outside. Praise God. So that's not, that's not how it works, okay? So a Christian must know that every word, not just a Christian, a Bible study teacher, this is very important, must know that every word from the scripture is to be read and is important. Every word. You see, I did not know this until very recently. Yes, very recently. That every word in scripture is not casual. I'm talking about the words. It's not a, it's not a casual writing. It's, there's an implication. There's a meaning to it. There's a meaning to it. So a Christian must know that every word from the scripture is to be read. So there is a reading. And please, you see, you know, uh, I may be, I may be, I may be, you may roll your eyes. What about I'm about to say? When we say read the Bible, hmm, it's not, don't read it on your phone. Don't read it on your iPad. If you have one or any electronic device. Now, do I have a Bible on my phone or an engine? Yes, I, do. I even have a Bible on my laptop. You know, I do. Right? But the kind of reading we are talking about would not 
be allowed to be read on a phone or on, on a device. Well, I'm going there. You would have to read the book itself. The book itself. This, this thing I'm holding, the one you have in your hand, you must read it itself. You must read it itself. If you're a Bible teacher, right? Don't 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 explain scripture. Don't explain scripture from an electronic device. Say, ah, why, why, why? Now some people do it. No, no, I'm not against that. Okay, for you say, I'm too archaic. You know, that's what I'm talking about. You know, but the reason is because in that same phone that you have, do you know you have distractions? For example, in my phone, I have Netflix on my phone. Right? I have Netflix on my phone. I have uh, I have some games. I have a lot of games on my phone. When I'm bored, I play them in the same device. So now that means that I can easily be distracted even when I'm reading from my device. Because my mind comes in, okay, when I finish this one, I can just go to my phone and things like that. I can easily be distracted. Unlike when I'm just Having time to just study from the word here, from the written word. So, have it, I'm sure, I'm sure everybody listening to me must have a copy of it. Have a copy of your own Bible, not Sister Messi's own. So, ah, bro, Pastor Marcos, I think I like that your Bible. There's a lot of underline on your own. Underline your own too. Buy your own and underline your own. Don't use Pastor Marcos underline. That underline that Pastor Marcos have is his own underline. It's not your own. Say, ah, no, no, no. Uh, ah, I, there are some lights when I read Pastor Fred's own there. Read it to your own. Buy your own and underline it. That revelation is not your own. Even if you go and if you carry your Bible and you understand, you do not see it. It's not your, you have not seen it. You don't even know why you underline it. And you want to underline it your own. What of you down the line that you underline? There's a lot of underlining what I'm saying right now. But anyway, you get the point. Let me move on. <laughs> so, so a serious student of the Bible must have a copy of the Bible and he must read it. He must read it. You know, you ask some Christians, when last did you see from Christians when they bring out their Bible? Or some Christians, not all, when they bring out their Bible, you see that all these pieces are food. You know, the pages of the Bible, the food. I'm like, ah, bro. When last did you open this? Now they say, okay, I want you to go to Naum. <laughs> say, where is that? Is it the Bible? Some of you don't know where Naum is. They're checking it out now. Do you know who is Naum? Amen? Amen. <laughs> I say, ah. I want us to read uh, a page in Zephaniah. See, where, is, where is all those places are? It's in the scriptures. You read it with your phone. Yes. It's how you know it when you're checking, when you're checking it like this. Oh, okay, it's before this. Oh, it's before that. Praise God. Anyway. So the first rule to know the word. The first rule to knowing the word of God, the first rule to understanding scripture is to read it. 
Don't trivialize reading. Don't trivialize the reading of the scriptures. Some, 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 some weeks ago, I was sharing with people in my church and I was, sharing, I, was trying, I, was, I was trying to tell them that just reading the Bible alone is a blessing. Like in a service, so maybe, maybe, maybe somebody just come and say, you know, let us open our Bibles to Psalm 23. And it's not going to teach, it's not going to explain. You just read it, it's a blessing in itself. So, how much more when you are reading to study? So don't trivialize reading. You know, my pastor used to say, my mentor used to say, how can you use a Bible in a year and it's very neat? Abba. <laughs> Abba. The Bible is very neat. What, 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 what are you keeping it for? The marriage supper of the lamp? Why are you keeping it? For? Why is it neat? Is it there's no I, say, I, I, I want to show that I'm a, I'm a godly Christian. We told you are godly, your Bible is neat. Charles Spurgeon said, I don't know if he said it, but I know that they always attach the quotes to him. That you know, if you see if you see a Bible that is falling apart, the life of the person is not falling apart. I don't know, but it makes sense. It's a blessing. I like that statement. To read the Bible, stain it with the, the ink of Christ. This thing is called the ink of Christ. This thing in the scripture. Don't ask me where it is. It's in the Bible. So the way you read, for example, the way you read your school books, the way you, you read your, the way you read for an exam, right? That diligence that you have is the same way you need to put into the Bible. See, and you're going to see this attitude with Jesus even before Luke chapter 24. Let me show you something. You see in the book of Matthew, please go there. Just turn your Bible to the book of Matthew. Go to the book of Matthew. So remember, the first rule of Bible interpretation is what? Read. Don't forget that. It is it is pivotal to any other thing you want to see. Whether we want to see context, pretext, whatever we want to see. After that, everything is based on reading. It's reading. If if you if you had come here to think that I would tell you that the way you want to if you want to know the Lord, you want to interpret the Bible. You would have to wait on him. 100 days. Fast. He said, Lord, I want to know you. I want more. Now we see your time here. Don't think when it's not it's going to happen like that. There's no hundred. No. There's no such thing. It's how Jesus did it. I'm going to show you now. So apart from Luke 24, you see Jesus in the book of Matthew. Just go there. The book of Matthew. And you see Jesus say this statement a lot. Have you not read? Have you not read? Jesus is saying that to, to now I want you let's let's see some Matthew chapter 12. I'm writing down Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse 3. Matthew chapter 12, verse 3. I'll be fast here, which is because it's a lot of text I want to go through in this place quickly. He said, but he said unto them, have you not read what David did when he was in anger and did that way with him? If you check it in verse 5 also, Matthew chapter 12, verse 5. Oh, have you not read in the law 
How that on the Sabbath day, the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath. And have you not read? Look at Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. And show your writing this text. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read? Have you not read? Look at Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, verse 16. Matthew chapter 21, verse 16. And said unto him, Hearest thou what they say? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings that perfected praise? Look at verse 42 of, of Matthew 21. Verse 42. Therefore, no, sorry. Jesus said unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builder rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our sight. Look at 22, Matthew chapter 22, verse 31. Matthew 22, verse 31. Are you getting the scriptures, please? Yes, sir. Okay. Matthew 22, verse 31. He says, but as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Do you know, guys, guys, do you know that the audience that Jesus is addressing this statement to, have you not read, do you know that they were Pharisees? Pharisees. Now, if there's anything you know about Pharisees, Pharisees, you should know this, Pharisees are masters of the law, that is of the scriptures, of the law of Moses, of Genesis to Malachi, they are masters of it. That is, they knew it. That is, they were people that knew the Old Testament text by heart. Yet, Jesus tells them, have you not read? Have you not read? In other words, the reading that Jesus speaks of is not casual. The reading that Jesus speaks of is not a casual reading. In fact, the word red that Jesus used is the word anagenosko. If you want to spell it, I'll spell it for you. A-N-A-G-I-N-O-S-K-O. A-N-A-G-I-N-O-S-K-O. Anagenosko. What does it mean? It means to read comprehensively. To read together. To read together. It means to capture all the details. To capture all the details. This is how to interpret the scriptures. As you read, you capture all the details. You pay attention to the context. You capture all the details. Number two, you pay attention to the context, to the grammar, to the grammar, to the, to the audience, like what we just did, what I just did to you now. If you read those texts we just read, you will see that he's talking to the, to, to, to the Pharisees, not his disciples. So the audience matters in Bible interpretation. Who 
is the writer talking about? Who is he speaking to? Or who is he referring? Who are his audience? So, I'll say it again. You capture all the details you're reading. You pay attention to the context. You pay attention to grammar. You pay attention to the audience. You say, why grammar? Remember the first thing I said, Bible is literature. In, lit- in, in, in literature, there is grammar. You pay attention to the reasoning. What does that mean? What is the reasoning? What is being communicated? What you can see when the writer, when, when as, as the speaker is saying, what you can see. If you're, if you're writing, I want you to write this in bold letters, in capital letters. No casual reader knows God or Jesus. No casual reader can know God or Jesus. You're in, you're in Bible study unit. The Bible study leader says, okay, uh, we are going to, the topic of, uh, of, the, of the theme is the Holy Spirit. For example, or maybe they say is holiness or obedience, something like that. You don't, you will not just go and say, okay, what, uh, what I'm going, what I want to tell us about obedience is obedience is better than sacrifice. Ah, what are you doing? And Bible study, I say, so that's all you you have to say. Say yes, ma, yes, sir. <laughs> the, the Lord welcomes all. Amen. <laughs> so, but boy, no, no casual, no casual reader knows God. Okay, you can, you know, because the the object of the 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 the, the subject of why we say reading is important is to know. It's not even to teach now. It's to just know the Lord. Knowing the Lord is by reading. Nobody has a anybody that tells you. Is when I had a vision, I caught Jesus. It's a lie. Nobody, do you know how complicated a vision is? <laughs> Have you ever seen any vision in the Bible that you, you don't really say, ah, ah? You don't know? When Peter saw the the, uh, animal coming down, and different kind of animals coming down from heaven, and and the angel and the voice said, "Kill and eat." How would you have known? Maybe you, maybe some people don't know, but let me say it here. How would you have known that that thing is talking about Jews and Gentiles? How? Is no animal that is there? Is animal? Is animal that is in the vision? How will you know that that animal is Jew and Gentile? You can't know. It's not possible. So you ask, how do you know? And Jesus is, and the, the vision is talking about the gospel. The gospel, knowing that the, the gospel, God has presented the gospel to all, human, all mankind, both Jews and Gentiles. But how will you see a vision coming down and say that eh, eh, that is joined? It's not possible. Because that's, how, that's the nature of visions. That's the nature of visions. The perfect way to know the Lord 
is via the written word. The written word. And it is by reading. I'll say it again. The perfect way, the, the way you can know the Lord. In fact, there's no other way. The only way to know Jesus, to know Jesus, right? To know him is by the reading of the scriptures. So no casual reader of the scripture can never know God. You have to attend to it and read it well, read it thoroughly. If, if Jesus can tell the Pharisees, have you not read? The Pharisees, the masters of the text of the Old Testament. If you, if you can tell them that, it implies that the reading of the scripture must be thorough. It means your mind is involved. You are applying your mind to it. That's what anaginosko is. You are, you are capturing the details. You are like, okay, okay, this is what this means. That's what that means. This is what the, that's what the former thing was saying means. You are capturing the details. Now, anaginosko, that word anaginosko, was used by judges when they want to pass a judgment on somebody. It was used by judges, you know, that's the, how the words have been used, the application of the word. And they, when judges want to pass their, 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 their judgment or their verdict, they read every line. They don't, they don't assume. They don't assume. They don't skip. They don't assume. They don't skip. You must not assume when reading. You must not skip when reading the scriptures. You don't skip words. You don't skip, skip things. You don't even say blah, 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 blah. I used to say it before when I'm preaching before. I just say, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Let's go on. Uh, so like that, too. For a Bible teacher, I read everything. Let them see it. Read it through. Oh, okay, okay. Let them see it. Till date, I'm still trusting the Lord to help me. I don't like reading the genealogy in the text of the Old Testament. Ah, oh, God. I don't like it. I'm telling you about myself. I don't like it. This one begat. I'll just, I'll just look through it. See where it ends. Just continue from there. The Lord is still helping my heart. On that. But I realize that there is a reason for genealogy in scriptures. There's a reason for it. The Bible teacher was known. Because the question you should ask is, why is that genealogy stopped when Jesus came? Do you see any genealogy in the, in the epistle or in the four gospel? After Luke chapter 4. From Luke chapter 4, no genealogy again. The same thing. After Matthew chapter 1 or 2, no genealogy again. But why? It's important. The Bible study church, you don't find that. That's another way to read it. So, <clears throat> look at Paul. Let's see. So, we have seen Jesus. Jesus said, read. Let's see if Paul, right, also talks about that. In understanding the scriptures, in interpreting the scriptures. So look at Colossians chapter four. Please go there. Colossians chapter four. Let's let's um, apply some speed a bit now so that we can get to <clears throat> a particular place that I would like to engage you guys in. So go to Colossians chapter four. Colossians chapter four, verse sixteen. Uh, please, so far, what I've been saying is it clear so far? 
So in Colossians chapter 4, verse 16. Colossians chapter 4, verse 16. Now, Paul, as Paul writes to the Colossian church, and this is, this is how he ends. He says, when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of Laodicea, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. That word there is an agnosco. That is, read it well. Read it well. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 3. It says, how that by revelation, you made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote a four in few words, verse 4, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. When you read, you know, the, the, the funny thing is that Paul had prayed for them in Ephesians chapter 1. They had prayed that, ah, your eyes will be open. The spirit of revelation will enter inside your mind and you will know everything about, he had prayed for them. But you see, the prayer doesn't do the work. Amen? Yeah. It says, read so that you will understand. Well, I'll tell you where prayer comes in. But first of all, it says, read that you may understand. So there is a thorough reading. There is a thorough reading. Okay? In church, and maybe they put the Bible verse on a projector, on a projector screen. Who look at the projector? Who look at the projector? Look at your Bible. You are disciplining yourself to read. Look at it. Look at it. You are disciplining yourself to read. Say, ah, but and look at it. Look at it. Don't be a lazy believer. Take the Bible. Uh, as you can, even in Bible, as you can see in Ephesians chapter 10, it's pointing to the projector. Do you don't See it in the projector. See it in the word. See it yourself. Say, mm, look at it. Look at it. You are training yourself to be disciplined. When you, come, when you are alone, when there is no projector screen, right? When there is no projector, you can decide to pick up the Bible and read it. Praise God. Probably don't like what I just said, but amen. <laughs> so when you go to church, right? Don't be, don't be, you know, don't be a, 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 a pastor. It's Pastor Sam that said it actually. Pastor Sam Adeyemi said that when you go to church without a Bible, you have made yourself a candidate to be misled. Hundred percent. There's no, you don't need any Greek word for that to be explained to you. That's just it. That's just it. I, I remember. I remember there was a particular case of uh, in Nigeria. You know, a couple of two ladies they went out for evangelism. You know, I don't know if I've said the story before, but they went out for evangelism and they were sharing God's word with the person, and the, the person happened to even be a believer. I think so. But they, they, they noticed that the guy was not paying attention to what they were saying. And they repeated this statement twice. The Holy Spirit will stay in you 
for just two weeks. They literally said what I just said, two weeks. And the person said, yes, two weeks, of course. The funny thing is that the person had the Bible on his hand and they were reading it. And they probably just put two weeks. They were reading from John chapter 16. The Holy Spirit will dwell in you forever. <laughs> and the person was reading it. He was looking. And they were saying it. You know, they're not paying. What's that? What's the problem? Say if that one, say if they tell that one now that um in two weeks, if you can key into this blessing with this money, you know you will give the money. <laughs> If you give the money, it's going to be swindled. Because he has fallen into... He, he are, those are people that false prophets and false teachers quickly catch. People that don't know how to pay attention to the reading of the scriptures. More so, there's a period in... Let, let me just I mean, digress a bit. There was a period in, in church history. Your pastors will know this, you know, if you don't. There's a period in church history that... It was called the Dark Ages. Why it was called the Dark Ages? Guess why? Because people were not allowed to read the scripture except there is a priest. That's one of the reasons why it was called the Dark Ages. They forbid people from reading the Bible without a priest. Indeed, it was called Dark. Praise God. Praise God. So you must have a Bible and read it. The Bible is God talking to you and I. That's what the Bible is. The Bible is God's spirit speaking to us. The Bible is beyond making sermon notes or trying to prepare for cell meetings or, you know, the Bible is beyond that. It's it's beyond that. It is first and foremost God's revelation to me. It is first and foremost God's revelation to me. So, having understood that the Bible, in Bible interpretation, I must read. The next thing I must understand when I begin to interpret the scriptures is that the Bible is inspired by God. The Bible is inspired by God. You probably may be asking, why is this important? I'll tell you why. Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy. I'll tell you why. You probably may not be like, oh, we know that. But I'll tell you why. I put this in my notes. The importance of this. Turn your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 15. It says, and that from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make the wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 16. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That word inspiration of God is one word in the Greek. Is the word theonistos. I'll spell it for you. T-H-E-O. C-H-E-O-P-N-E-U-S-T-O-S. Say it one more time. C-H-E-O-P-N-E-U-S-T-O-S. Theonistos. The word theo, there's the word God. Nistos, 
means born of God, or I mean, yeah, or be inspired by God. So it's the word Theonistos. Now, what he's saying that the scriptures is God's spirit already talking to you. You don't need any other thing. It is God's spirit already talking to you. And as a Bible teacher, you must recognize this. You must recognize this. That the first mode of God's leading is by the written word. The first mode of God's leading you is by the written word. You have to recognize that the spirit of God is the one speaking to you from the pages of the scriptures. You have to recognize that the spirit of God is the one speaking to you. Why? Why? It means that the scriptures does not need any other inspiration. It has already been inspired. The Bible is inspired. Don't, don't let us hide our own our own words, our own meaning. That's another inspiration. That's why I said it. So in interpreting the scriptures, you must know that the words, the meaning, the paragraphs are already inspired. Don't have to eat. Just stay there. Stay in the narration. Stay with the words that are there. Stay with the meaning. Stay with the paragraphs that are there. So you are only relying on what God has said and what he is saying. You are only relying on, on what God has said and what he's saying in the, from the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spoke to us, spoke unto the fathers by the prophets, in this last days he's speaking to us in his son. That's what Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says. It is already inspired. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 9 says, 1 verse 19 says, we have a most sure word of prophecy. Let's look at that one. That one, I think that one is very important for us to see. Good. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 19. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 19. It says, we have a most sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well. That you take it as unto a light that shineth in the darkness until the day dawn and the day star rise in your heart. Verse 20 now. Look at verse 20. Knowing what? I want us to read verse 20 together, everybody. Let's read verse 20 together. Verse 20 and 21 together. One to go. Knowing this first, yeah? That no prophecy of the scripture uh-huh, is of any what? Interpretation. interpretation 21 it says for the prophecy came not in all time by the will of man but holy men of God speak 
as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? He's saying to us that the scriptures has his interpretation. This scripture has his, his own inspiration already. The scriptures are inspired. Don't, don't let us have our own meaning. Our word. If we begin to do that, we are taking from another inspiration. Even if our words make sense. Even if it makes sense. Even if it makes sense. The question is, is that what is written? If it is not, don't add or remove. Stay with the, stay with the language. Stay with what, what is there. Stay with the inspiration of God's spirit. Stay there. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. Say, say this with me. I take God's word, take God's word. seriously. Seriously. Now, <clears throat> so let's 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 look at something very quickly. In reading, observe two things in reading. When you are reading, the first thing you must observe is the grammar. And if, 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 if a figure of speech was used, you pay attention to the grammar or if a figure of speech was used. So you, you're, you're calm. You're not restless. When you're reading, don't be a restless leader. <laughs> okay, okay. Be calm. Don't, don't, don't be quick to want to get over that passage. Uh, don't be quick to when your, your pastor is teaching. You're like, ah, when, when, ah. I thought he said it's uh, just one hour sermon. What is going on? Praise God. Right? You have checked the time several times. I'm checking the time. It's just seven. Wow. Interesting. No, don't be, don't be, don't be, don't be. Don't be. Don't be in a hurry to learn God's word. I often used to say, revelation knowledge should not be linked in haste. Don't be in a hurry. Take your time. God wants you to know him. <laughs> okay? Doesn't want you to mm-hmm. take your time. If you have not learned, you don't know it before. Learn it again. If it's not, if it's not, if it's confusing, go back to it. Don't be in a hurry. So in reading, observe the grammar. And observe the figure of speech. You know? Restless people can know God. You know, if, if you go to, look, go to Luke chapter 10. Let me just show you something. Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, Mary and Martha, you know, they were, Jesus was teaching there. And Martha was busy cooking. Right? It's not bad to cook for the Lord. It's not wrong. So mother was using one year to hear the soup that is cooking, another year to hear what the master is saying. And Jesus had to tell us, matter, matter. You are encumbered with many, you are, you are troubled with many things. I mean, you can say, you are, if you, are, if you, are, if you are one of the matters, you can want to defend matters and say, I thought she was cooking for the Lord. It's time for everything. 
It's time for everything. So don't be quick to read the Bible. Take it slowly. Be patient with it. You can't know what is there if you're restless. The first reason to study the word of God is to know. Is to know. So be patient when you are explaining the scriptures. Be patient when you are reading the scriptures. Pay attention to this. Now, now let's let's see some practical. Now, go to John. Let me show you something. So now, watch what I just everything I just said. Now watch this. John chapter two. Go to John. John chapter two. Now, I want you to look at your Bible. Let's put to practice what because this, uh, there's going to be a practice session, and I want you to I want to show you something. So look at this. Now. So go to John chapter two. Are you there? Is everybody there? Yes. Okay. Now in John chapter two. Now verse. Let's read from verse one. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Okay, you know what? I want somebody to read, actually. I want somebody to read from verse 1 to verse 4 of John chapter 2. Just anybody, just anybody should be allowed to just read. Anybody. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Mm-hmm. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. No. Is there a problem in that text? Hmm? Is there a problem in that text? Just, just by reading that verse 1 to 4 in the conversation between Mary and Jesus. Is there a problem there? Is there something wrong in that text? Pastors, please. Pastors, 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 please let us be. Let the people with the Bible study you need to go go to. Let pastors calm down. Okay, sorry, sorry. Let us be pastors calm down. Pastors are just here having good times. They're not really. I'm also a student. <laughs> okay, I, I believe he's a, we're all students in Christ. <laughs> okay, yeah. So is there a, is there a problem in that text? Just by reading, no, don't, don't I'm not expecting you to tell me anything spiritual. Yeah, at least not yet. Hmm? Okay, so is there is there a problem in that text? Yes, sir. There is. That's a uh, this man. What's his name? I don't forget his boy anymore. Is that not? Is that not? Eh? Eh? Michael. Eh? Michael. Eh? Eh? Is that your name? You know, Zaremu. Michael, Michael, you're confused. I hear that voice. You want to confuse the Holy Spirit in me? I know somebody. I know somebody. I know. Mike, I've talked about Mike this thing before. Uh, I want somebody else. Okay, but Mike, what's the problem? Let's just go. What's the problem there? What's the problem in that text? 
What do you think is the problem? Just forget anything spiritual. What, what, what in the conversation between Jesus and Mary, what do you think the problem is? The problem is like uh, the, the response Jesus gave to Amon, his mom rather. Yeah. That why should he be involved in the, the whole situation of why not available in the probation? Okay, good. Now, very good. So look at the conversation. The conversation was about wine, right? And Jesus said immediately, my hour, right, is not yet come. How does that fit into wine? Does it? No. No, does, doesn't, doesn't. I mean, he's talking about, Mary is talking about wine, and Jesus is saying, my hour is not yet come. So that would mean. Now, if that, listen carefully to this, if that is very, if already poses a question in your mind, you need to ask this question, right? What hour or which hour? Because that was his response. Amen? Amen. That was his response to Mary or the people that he was talking to. That woman, what I have, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. So you have to ask the question, what did Jesus mean by that? Now, let me show you some texts of scripture. So put your hand in John 2 and let us look at John chapter 7. Trying to add, I don't want to use. Okay, before before that, stay in John two. Stay in John two. Stay in John two. Let's look at John chapter two verse sixteen. Sixteen. Look at John two sixteen. He says, and he said unto them that sold those. John chapter two verse sixteen. Take these things ends. Make not my father's house an house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that he was written the zeal of the house that he gave up. Verse 18, then answered the Jews and said unto him, what sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Verse 19, Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. Now, <clears throat> the question is, is what temple is he talking about? Is it the temple he was directly looking at? Exactly. No. So it means that there is a meaning. Now, verse 20 now says, then said the Jews, 40 40 and 6 years was this temple in building, and without railed up in three days, but he spake of the temple of his body. So the temple that Jesus is talking about is the temple of his what? Huh? What is the temple? So you are reading. So you, you go further. You now have to ask a question. What is therefore the temple of his body? What is the temple? What is the body? Do you understand what I'm trying to say, guys? Yes, sir. Huh? Yes, sir. So it will mean. So now, how will I know? 
How will I know what it means? I will just keep reading. I will just keep reading. When I keep reading, right, I would come to see, I would come to see that, I would come to see the interpretation or the meaning of it. So let us, let us do a, a run through of the word hour in John. Let's see a run through of what it means in John. Quickly. When he says, my hour has not yet come. And you'll be able to pinpoint it that it is referring to his resurrection. So you know, let, me, let, me, let me show you that quickly. So go to John. Um, I won't show you a text that I would not sit on because I want us to, I want to explain I want us to quickly go to the practical one where you will be the one to find it out yourself. Okay. Okay, let us see John 7. Okay, well, let us just use John 7. I wanted to use another one, but let's use John 7. Go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Okay, now John chapter 7, verse, I read from verse 1. It says, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of the tabernacle was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, and that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. He says, The word cannot eat you, but it hated me because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go you up into the feast. Go you up into the feast. I, I, I go not up yet into this feast, for my time is not yet fully come. Now, <clears throat> verse 14 of that same text, verse 14. Now about the mist, about now about the mist of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and saw it. And Jesus marveled, saying, How know this man let us having not lived? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but is is that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of, of himself speaketh, seeketh his own glory. But but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness. Is in me. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Where, why he go about to kill me? Now, <clears throat> in in verse St. John chapter 7, I want you to look at verse 37. John chapter 7, verse 37. Are we all there, please? Yes, sir. Okay, now he says, in the last day, the, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man tastes, if any man tastes, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, before, before I go on, I want to say something here. Now, 
The question here in verse 38 is just saying that you should hold your belly. Eh? Eh? It's just saying you should hold your belly. Now, what does it mean by saying out of his belly rivers? Is it is it saying that water will also come out of your mouth? I mean, the only time you the only time anything comes up back from your mouth is when you are sick. Maybe you have omitted Abby. Amen. That cannot be the Holy Spirit. That cannot be what he's saying here. So the question you should quick, we should quickly ask is, what did he mean when he says, what does belly mean and what is water? What does belly mean and what is water? Verse 39. We'll just read further. Verse 39. He says, but this spake he of what? The spirit. Which they that believe on him should do what? Should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet what? In other words, it will mean that the water he speaks of, right, would be the Holy Spirit, right? And the belly he speaks of will be what? Verse 39. Just read verse 39. The belly will be what? Read it, read it slowly. He says the Holy Ghost was not yet given because, uh huh, because it was not yet glorified. So the water comes as a result of something. Let's go back to 38. The water comes as a result of something. Out of his belly, the water comes, right? Huh? Okay, please follow me. Out of his belly, that's where the water comes out, right? In verse 38, right? Huh? Okay, so now the water is what? In 39. The Spirit of God. Okay, so the belly will be what? So the Spirit of God will come out from where? 39. His glorification. Do you see it? So that means the belly is referring to the resurrection of Christ, right? At the resurrection of Christ, there will be an outpouring of the Spirit. Do you follow? Yes. Okay, now... Please, I'm coming. I just want to, I want us to, sh- I want to show you something before I go back to that hour. Now, quickly, <clears throat> look at, um, so we, what we just did is that we just kept, we just kept reading. That's what we just did. We just kept reading, right, to understand what he's talking about. Now, Go to John 13. Go to John 13. John chapter 13. Yeah, John 13. Now, I want to, I want you to read, or I will read, and I want you to pay attention to what he's saying in John 13. Jesus, the background that Jesus tells his disciples, oh, bring 
let me wash, let me wash your, let me wash your legs and your feet. And Peter says, then Peter verse 6, John 13, 6. Then come to he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, doest thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do, what I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto me, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered and said, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Now, as the conversation changed between verse 7 and 8, yes. what's the, okay, tell me, that person has said yes. So, um, from verse 8, he was talking about washing his feet, literally. But verse 9, verse, eight, verse 7, he was talking about washing his feet, literally. But verse 8, I don't know if, it, if he said, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. That was not talking about Okay, so that means very good. So that means when Jesus was talking about feet, what do you think Jesus was talking about? Let's read now. We keep on reading. Let's read now. Verse nine. Samuel Peter now said, because Jesus said, "You have no part with me. We have no part with me." Samuel Peter now said, "Samuel Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head." Peter is missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> missing the point. Okay, now verse ten. Just say unto him, he that is what washed needed not to save to wash his feet, but is clean every week, and you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, you are not clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment and was sat down again, he said unto them, know you not what I have done to you. You call me master and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet. You also ought to wash another's feet. For I have, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than the Lord, neither he that is sent greater than that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye, you do them. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that heated bread with me and lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, come that when it come to pass, he may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. In other words, two things. The first thing is that what Jesus did in washing their, their feet, Jesus is not introducing, he's just not saying every believer should be going everywhere. When I see you, ah! From Argos, come, put your leg. Let me wash your feet. No. Right? Jesus is teaching about salvation. He's saying that if I wash thee not, thou has no part with me. That is, we will not share in the same nature, in the same thing. You have no part with me. That is, we will become uncommon if I don't wash you. Okay? Then he goes further to say about that washing. He says in the washing, that symbol of washing, he goes further to say that in that washing, I am teaching you service. Do you understand? How did Jesus serve us? He died. He died. 
He gave his life for us. That is God. That is the service of the Christ. Jesus is saying, by that, by that, right, you are washed. From that also, you must learn to serve one another. You don't say go and kill yourself too. Right? He's saying that is you walk in love or you put others before you serve them. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, is it clear, please? Yes. Okay. So, do you observe that all we are doing is that we are just reading? Huh? Now, this is what I want you to do. Now, this is where I, um, this is where I want you, I want us to really engage. I want to really engage you. So, everybody, go to John chapter six, and I want you to read these texts of scriptures. I want everybody. I'm going to call them out. So, you write them out, then you read them. So, when you read, just read them on your own, right? Then, if you understand what is being said, then you can now speak. Okay. I, I, of course, I can't see you, but I mean, the pastor should help me here. So, go to John chapter six, and I want you to read this particular text of scripture. John 6, 27, 29, 27, 29, 32, 33, 35, 40. Did you, did you get it? Should I say it again? 27, 29, 32, 33, 35, 40. 47, 47 to 58. So I want you to just, if, did, you, did everybody get it? Yes. yes, sir. Okay, so I want you to just read those verses, right? Then the question is, what did Jesus mean? Because when you read them, you're going to see them. What did Jesus mean by eating and drinking his blood? So just read it first, right? And answer that question by reading. So I give you about like five minutes to do that. Just five minutes, and let's see. That's this. I, I just really where I wanted to get to, really, for today. Are we all reading? Yes, sir. Okay, so just... 
have two, two minutes more, two minutes. One minute more. Okay, guys. Okay. So, yes. Any answer yet? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yes. Who is that? Who is that? It's me. It's Lorat. I'm no, no, no. Ah, Bible. Bible study leader now. Have you? You mean Lorat is Bible study leader? Yes, sir. He's a leader. A woman of God. You are anointed. Let all the other people under your anointing talk. What about me? Ah! That's that, 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 I would have told us to read the whole passage, but it's a long yeah, passage. Christy, Christy, speak, speak, speak. Christy. Yeah, you've not known Christy before, right? Who's that? Yes, it's Christy. It's okay, one of, one of Christy. Them. Okay, yeah. Christy. Yes, sister Christy. Is he a brother? No, she's a sister. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm sorry. I wanted to be sure. Okay, yes. Go ahead. Um, did I, like, everything on the... Yes, teach, 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 teach. That's it. That's no, right. Say the question. Man of God, say the question again so that we will not use Okay, so what did Jesus mean when he, said, when, when he said eating and to eat and drink his blood or eat his flesh and drink his blood? What did he mean? Sister Christian. Sorry? According to what I saw in the scripture, like in, in John chapter 6, verse 27, when he says, spend your energy seeking the internal life that the Son of Man can give. For God the Father has given with me the seal of his approval. I mean, what I saw, like, is for them to believe in Jesus Christ, to believe in him, to believe in what he has done and what he's about to do, basically for them to believe, to, for them to um, 
they also said the people were saying that uh, Moses gave us bread. Moses gave our ancestors bread, and Jesus said, "He said, I am the I am the bread of life." He says, "I am the true bread of God. Is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world." So Jesus was telling them that He is the true is the true bread. Anyone that is in him has internal life. Anyone that is in him has the true life. That person will not will not die again, like like the ancestors died of hunger. He said, but anyone that is in him has true life, internal life in him. So for them, what they have to do is to believe in Jesus Christ, to believe in what he has done or what he is about to do. Awesome, awesome. Awesome, awesome. That's that's nice. That's nice. Any other person before we just before we uh, go on? Any other person? Man of God, should we clap? Of course, of course. God, what kind of clap, clap, clap? Awesome. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're not clapping again. <laughs> clap now. <laughs> okay. Yes. Any other person? Well, just to add to what she said. Who is that to? Elizabeth. Okay. 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 I don't know this one. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Okay, carry on. Yes. Just to add to what she said, that what she said is believing. What did Jesus mean by eating and drinking is God. It's meant believing. And we can see it vividly in verse 40. It says, and this is the will of him who sent me. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at last day. So basically, that's what He's really saying about it. And then when He said your um, forefather died after eating the manna, uh, but uh, but you if you yet if you eat this body which is believing in Him, you will live forever. And that is Him saying, I will raise Him up at last day. That's talking about the Second coming, or should I say the rapture, that this body is not going to die. This body is going to die, but to live forever. <laughs> Who is laughing here? <laughs> it's Pastor Kola. I know it's I know it's Pastor Kola. I know it's Pastor Kola. Don't worry, I'll give you a chance. You know why I'm laughing. Pastor <laughs> Kola. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 laughing. Please let's clap for Sister Elizabeth. Awesome. 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 Okay, guys. Okay, guys. Now the the so let me ask this question. Let me just say so is the eating and the drinking literal? No. Huh? No. Okay. So if I drink and now, why is it not literal? Let me see. Why is it not literal? Because I think it means becoming one with Jesus. Stay with the narration. Stay with the reading. The, the question I just asked is there. The answer is there. Why is, if you say it's not literal, why is it not literal? And it will finish now. If we're literally talking about eating and drinking. I mean, by now, answering on the chat, because it came down to life from the hmm. Because what? Because it came uh, down to the bridge. 
the, the reason why I'm asking, guys, listen, the reason why I'm asking you. Yeah, yeah, so somebody say I'm not it. Yes, go Okay. To... Okay, the because the bread is his life. Messi. Okay, no, listen, listen. Now, two two people emphasized when they explain, that's um, Elizabeth and Christy, when they explain, they they emphasize on believing, which is is okay, which is solid, actually. Now, so that already tells us it's not literal, right? Okay, believe. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't tie, it doesn't, I mean, what's the word now? It's not, it doesn't tie the, I don't know the English, what they say, but it's not precise enough, okay? Because somebody can ask this question that if you say it's not literal, how do we know? It? So Jesus is saying, believe in what? Believe in him, okay? Based on what? Verse 40. Huh? Verse 40. Okay, let me, let's, let's do it like this. Let's do it like this. Everybody, let's do it like this. Hold on. Go to where he says, go to where he says, um, go to where he says in verse, go to verse 54 or 53, 53. Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, except he eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Who's eaten my flesh and drinking my blood hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Okay. Now, why is he not literal? That statement, eat and drink. Why? It's just, it's in where I just read. Why is he not literal? What is spiritual in, in verse 53 to verse 50, verse 55? What is the spiritual word there? So, um, I think why it's not literal is the fact that we now in this our modern context, we have not literally eaten it. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> stop. You, uh, just wait, hold on. Just look at that text and pick out a phrase. That identifies the statement completely cancels anything literal, natural. That word, it just cancels it out. There's just a phrase there. Eternal life. Eternal life is what cancels anything literal. Eternal life cannot be gotten from anything literal or natural. Do you understand? That is the key thing. That is why. Now, how do I know? How do we know? If you read where those ladies were talking about now, what they were reading, they said, now let's, let's go back there. In the same text, let's go back there. Look at verse, um, verse 40. Verse 40. It says, and this is the will of him that sent him, that everyone which seeth the son and believeth on him. What does he have? Eternal life. Eternal life. So the consequence of believing is eternal life. Then Jesus will later get to 52 and say eating and drinking is eternal life. In other words, eating and drinking will be what? Believing. Believing. Do you understand? It will be believing. It's the same reading. So Jesus just applies what we may call synonyms. 
Do you understand? Huh? Yes, sir. yes, sir. Do you understand? So when we read, we see that eternal life is based on faith. So Jesus is not informing anybody, right, to go and take bread and wine. Uh-uh. To, to have eternal life. That's not what he's saying. He's saying to have eternal life, it is faith in him. Do you see that? Yes. Okay, one more. One more. Um, Second Corinthians chapter 8. Okay, I forgot. So, sorry, I forgot. I was going to show you our, the hours not yet come, right? I was going to show you that. Okay, so I was going to see what, how does, how is our use? That was, I was going to show you. So go to, let's quickly see that. Let's, let's see. So let's understand John 2 quickly. Just let me show you that then we do the other practice. Uh, go to John chapter 4. Yeah, John chapter 4. Go there. John chapter 4, verse 23. John chapter 4. Let's read from verse 22. You worship, you know not. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Verse 23. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said unto him, I, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speaketh unto thee am. Now, that may be confusing to say, okay, what then is the hour? Who can, who, who, just in the reading, what is the hour? Um, come again. Oh, oh, sorry. Just in the reading of verse 23 to, to and 24, what is the hour in 23? When you read 23 and 24, what will be the hour? In the reading, don't, it's not, don't, don't import anything. Just stay, stay there. What do you think the hour is what Jesus is saying? Yes, yes, say it, yes. There's no time. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm trying to get to the point. Yeah. Say what you're saying, Loretta. I think it's Loretta also. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So the hour is true worship in the spirit and in truth. That's the hour, right? Right? Yes, yes sir. Good. So the question is, when will that happen? Right? When will that after Jesus is raised from the dead, right? Yeah. Now, in case that is not clear, look at John 8. Let's see. So, so our, what we just saw is that our in the book of John is attached to Jesus' resurrection or his sacrifice, right? Yes. Okay. Now, look at John 8. Look at John 8. That's another piece. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 20. Let's read from verse 19 or 18. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me bear witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Neither know you, my father. 
If you had known me, you should have known my father also. Verse 20. This is what spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. Now, look at it. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. 21. Then said Jesus unto them, I go my way, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Then said Jesus, will he kill himself because he had, he had, he had said, whether I go, you cannot come. 23. And said unto them, ye are from beneath, right? I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, right, he shall die in your sins. So in, in, in the reading, right, when he says, for his hour has not yet come, what will he be talking about? Yes, message, you are saying something. Day of the day of his crucifixion is death. Right? Huh? Is death. Okay. Look at look at um, John twelve. John twelve. John twelve. 23. John 12, 23. This, this cements the thoughts. This cements the thoughts. John 12, 23. And Jesus answered them saying, what is it? The hour is come that the son of man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, if it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. All we have seen so far is that the word hour was attached to Jesus' redemptive work, his death or his resurrection. Can you see that? Yes. Huh? Yes, sir. Huh? Can you see that? Okay, one more. John 17. John 17. John 17. Verse 1. This is what spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may be glorified. That, sorry, that thy son also may glorify thee. And thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many that thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou art sent. So, what is the hour? Huh? Ah, see it now. Didn't we read it together? Amen. Nobody wants to answer me. What is the hour now? Okay, I'll allow that pass anyway. You have to be specific. <laughs> he says, for the hour is come glorified, that is on the thousand ways glorified. It's the glorification, it's the resurrection. Do you understand? Huh? Is that an Israel? Good. Do you understand? Yeah. Huh? So yeah. if you go back to John 2, if you go back to John 2, if you go back to John 2, Jesus is cheating. Go back to John 2. Knowing that is, um, our is referring to resurrection. Knowing that our is referring to resurrection. Right? Can, did we see that our is referring to resurrection or his redemptive work? Yes. <laughs> okay. Now, if you go back to John 2, then is what was the problem in the wedding of Canaan? What was the problem? No wine. No wine. No wine. 
no wine. No wine. wine. Very important. Okay? Then, his mother says, then his mother says, ah, they have no wine. They have no wine. Just say unto a woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. So, Jesus will be saying that, so the answer to having wine will be what? Just say, eh? the answer to his resurrection. So, what will be the wine? The Holy Ghost. Do you see it? Did you see it? Yes, so the the mother said wine. Jesus said that, and all he could think about is his work. Mm. Do you see that? That was his response. The wine is the spirit. Praise God. So at the resurrection, there will be wine. Hallelujah. Yeah. We have don't we have wine now? Yes. In in abundance. Is it clear? Uh, there's only some particular voices I'm hearing. Is every, does everybody understand, please? Yes, sir. So, what did we just do? We just read to interpret. Did you see it? Eh? Did you see it, guys? Yes, sir. We just read. So, the Bible teacher must now must read. When there is something confusing, don't 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 go and check Google. You understand? Don't go and check Google. You likely see something, a lot of things that are very wrong. You understand? Just stay with that book. Just stay with that book. And just really need to pay attention to the details and not the no school. Are you following, guys? Okay, now it's your turn now. So I just said I should put it there because I, I know I forgot. Now look at Second Corinthians chapter eight. Second Corinthians chapter eight. Second Corinthians chapter. Second Corinthians chapter. So I'm going to do another one. Now you you do that one. Second Corinthians chapter eight. Now pay attention. Now the question is Second Corinthians chapter eight verse. Now we are going to read from verse one. Now but I want you to pay attention to verse nine. First, before you read verse one. So it says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, that he through his poverty might be rich. So the question is, is this talking about money? Is it talking about money? Is it referring, is he, is he saying that Jesus became poor? So that we can have all the millions in this life. So let us read. So I want you to read from, from verse 1 to verse 9. Just read quickly. Five minutes. Well, not quickly, quickly, but if I say, ah, you're contradicting what you have said. But read, read, sir. <laughs> read.
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. Oh, there's no time. I, I, I don't. There's, 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 a, there's room for asking of questions, so I, I don't want to. I, don't, I want to make sure that we learn that to pray. Praise God. Praise God. Sir. Maybe we can put, we can push to uh, um, eight thirty so that we can. Okay, okay, okay then. Okay. So we can be able to, then we can maybe ask questions. Okay, okay, no problem. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, okay, so you can go ahead, you can continue. Some people are about to protest, we are not done, sorry. Five minutes is even off. Even if you're not done, there's not five minutes is off. It's just nine chapter verses. Okay, amen. 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 Okay. So, so before before we go into details, let us just one just 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 one answer. Between verse one to verse eight, all right. What is the general theme of the conversation? What is the theme of the conversation? The generosity of the church. I will go and bless you. The generosity of the church. So, it is... Did you see that when you read everybody? Yeah. Uh, the guest is very quiet. Yeah, yeah. It is about the giving, giving of a church. I remember which church. church in no, I say I remember, I remember which church. The church in Corinth. Ah, I mean, you missed it. It's not, not uh-huh, Macedonia church. It's not church in Corinth. Too. Macedonia. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to, yeah, I would have cancelled your mark now. You got it. I would have said, you want to do to the answer, but you got it now. So is the church to in Macedonia. Okay. So it says, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So what is the grace of God here? The reason why I'm asking this question is because you will get to verse 9 and you will see grace there too. So, but what is the grace of God here? Ah, speaking now, Monopoly, you see something now. Okay, so. And in verse 2, the grace, you can see mm-hmm. the grace, so like the grace in the midst of severe trial and uh, 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 uh. that's not it. 
Be careful. You are you want to take the entire verse two and attach it to the grace. Right? Look at what he says. He said the grace of God bestowed on the church of Macedonia. Now let's let's take it a bit. Grace means giving, right? To give something for free without no effort, right? Answer me, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. So that's what grace means. So, so when he says the grace of God bestowed on the churches of what is it? What did they do? Verse two. So don't take the whole of verse two. The answer is in that verse two. Yes, but don't take the whole of verse two. In rich generosity. Exactly, in the riches of their liberality. That's the grace there. That's what was bestowed. That's what they had. They were able to give. Despite the fact that they didn't have any, they didn't have much, yet they gave. That's the grace. The fact that they gave. Do you understand? Yes, sir. So he says, for, for their power, bear record, and beyond their power, were willing of themselves. Praying with us with much interest. It's not like they were praying. Oh, no, 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 no. When he says praying that, they were um, <laughs> do you know the meaning of this? They were. Yeah, I don't. The only way I can explain it is in in a cultural way. Like if if like in, if somebody wants to give you something, right? And you say, ah, no, don't worry. And friends say, ah, don't worry. Take it, take it, take it, take it. Do you get? And then they took it. Do you know what that means? They were insistent. Thank you. That's what. So praying, pray, praying us with much entreaty. That, that we would receive the gifts take, and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. Ministry to the saints is not laying on the hands with something to eat. Jiggets eh? is food or money, something material. Okay, so they were giving. He says, and these they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own self to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So how do they give themselves to the Lord and unto them? How? Huh? The act of giving. The act of giving. So what is the what has what has been the general thing? Giving, 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 and how they gave, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And how they gave, they didn't have money, they didn't have anything, but yet they gave. Yet they gave. He now says, so they gave themselves very willingly, right to them, in so much that we desire titles. That as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. What is the same? What is the same grace? Giving. Giving. Okay. The grace that gives. The grace that gives. It keeps on giving. Therefore, as you are bound in everything, in faith, utterance, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you are bound in what? In in read the next word. In this In I can't hear you. In this, if you're using yes, if you're using KJV, it says in this grace. So it is something specific, right? In this grace, what will be the grace? The grace of liberality, the grace of generosity. So Paul is admonishing them abounding this one too. So admonishing the Corinthian church now to abounding these are just like how the Macedonian did. So as he said, as you are abounding in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all in love, you guys to abound in giving. 
Verse 8. I speak not by the commandments, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. Full stop. So Paul is talking about giving. Yes or yes? Yes. And how we should give, right? That don't, don't hold back. Give all, right? Yes. Huh? Yes. Now, so he gets to verse 8 and he does that. Then in verse 9, do, how, how does verse 9 now come in? How? Paul will want to explain this giving, this generosity, right? And he will now want to explain it in the light of Christ. Do you understand? Huh? You want to explain it in the light of Christ. So that's why it says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's not the grace of giving money. It's not, it's not, it's not telling them to remember God's the grace of Jesus. Right? That though he was rich, what was Jesus rich in? Money? No. Was Jesus rich in money? No. So it can't be money. Right? Yes. <laughs> so the riches of Christ will be what? It's eternal life. What it gives. Okay? Huh? Huh? Yeah. Yes, goodness of sin. That's what it gives. The riches of Christ. So when he says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that's what he was rich in. Yet for your sake he became poor. How did you become poor for our sake? How did he, he died. The Bible says he became sin. That, that through his poverty, that is by is that action of his redemptive work, all right, we might be rich. That is, we'll have eternal life. What's this teaching? Two things. One, he's telling you that believers should give and take an example of how Christ gave his all. He did not hold back. He gave his all by giving us eternal life and becoming sin. So that we would have eternal life. So it's not talking about money. He's not saying, Jesus, you know, some people want to confess it. Oh, I know I'm rich because, because Jesus, I don't even know how to say it anymore because I used to say confess that confession to before. You know? <laughs> it's not about money. Oh. The riches of the Savior is eternal life. Amen? Right? So he's not saying, oh, you know, I am, I'm, uh, when I'm, when I know I, I cannot, I cannot be poor. Okay, why? Because he has made me to be rich. How much do you have in your bank account? That's the next question they will ask you. It's not about money, right? He's talking about, he's using Christ's example to explain how we as believers, we must give to one another. Without holding back. Do you understand? That's what he's talking about. Without holding back. Jesus did not hold back. 
Do you follow, please? Yes, sir. So, I begin to close with this because this, this is just what I wanted to get. Because the emphasis of this of this teaching is to emphasize on Bible interpretation, and the key to Bible interpretation is reading. It's just reading. When I read, when you read the whole Bible, or when you read the scriptures, right, and understand the thought, the grammar, the context of what is being said, that is how you begin to learn Jesus. That is how you begin to learn God. So, the interpretation of scriptures, listen, the interpretation of scriptures is not personal. It's not personal. Somebody say, hey, hey, my, my, this is my own personal revelation. There's nothing like that. Too. There's nothing like my personal revelation. If it is learning Jesus. What Jesus reveals to Pastor Kola should be the same thing Jesus will reveal to Pastor Marcos. The revelation of God is consistent. It is consistent. You cannot have a personal opinion about a text of the scripture. Damn, that means that's your own inspiration. That's what it means. That is your own inspiration, not the inspiration of God. A scripture can never mean what it never meant when it was written. A scripture can never mean what it never meant when it was written. It can only mean what it meant when it was written. So nobody can read a text and say, well, in my view, when I began to confess, when I began to stay on the word of this text, I saw that I walked in riches. Uncle, did he mean riches? If he doesn't mean that, he has contacted another spirit, another inspiration that is not of God. <laughs> Do you follow? <laughs> Praise God. You understand? So somebody will say, but it works. It works. Do you know how many things that works in this life that is not un- untrue? Yeah. <laughs> how many things that work? It's just like saying, it's just like saying, how many of you want to be wealthy like Abraham? Say yes or no. So don't be afraid. You don't want to be rich. I'm not saying that you should not be rich. Don't go and I'm not saying well, But do you want to? Yes, sir. I don't like cows. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like cows. Okay. Now, don't. <laughs> now, listen. Do you know that the way Abraham got rich is through dishonesty? It's through what? Dishonesty. You don't know. Go and read it. Go and read it. He lied. 
to the king of Egypt. So this is my what? This is my sister. And what did the king of Egypt do? The king of Egypt gave him dowry. <laughs> That's what the king of Egypt did. He gave him dowry, gold, sheep, all those things. Ah, for he did it twice. Let's you know that it was not by mistake. <laughs> twice. And it was a generational thing. God, God had to appear to Abraham and say, Abraham, walk before me and be thou perfect. God had to tell him, it's okay. <laughs> God, I'm serious. That's what God does. It's okay. God was supporting. Don't think that God was like, ah, God wanted Abraham to grow spiritually. When he did it to Abimelech, what did God tell Abimelech? He said, you are a dead man. Whether it turns out God, of course, God will always, that's the gift of righteousness, okay? The gift of God will always be for you. He will never be against you. You understand? That's the gift of God. You see, in error, right, if a believer is in error, I'm digressing now, but if a believer is in error, God is still in his defense. Hallelujah. God is still in his defense. Because that's who God is. He will back his kids. Right? At the same time, if he wants his kids to grow spiritually, not to be struggling with that sin. Do you understand? <laughs> so that's what he told Abraham. Abraham did not, and the same thing, Isaac too did it. <laughs> you understand? Let's you, so you know that uh, there is a generational something here. Amen? So Isaac too did it. So that is why, listen, I know where I'm, where I'm going with this. That is why when you read the epistles, when they talk about Abraham and Isaac and these guys, they don't talk about their wealth. They talk about their fake because that is God's riches. Do you understand? They talk about their faith. <coughs> Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Do you get the point? So, don't have a personal interpretation of scripture. Don't have a personal interpretation of scripture. The things the prophet said, Genesis to Malachi, is the same thing Jesus said. Jesus is the word of God, the word that became flesh, yet he quoted them. He explained from them. The disciples will do the same. Are you following? Hmm? So, if God wanted everybody to have a personal revelation, he would have given us the scripture. He would have given us the scripture personally. He would have written to call a year by say. This is what I am saying. So when me and Bona call on it, we can now we cannot be saying and say the Lord said yeah bad. I say, hey, he told me this is what. So we can have different things. But Jesus did not, God did not create the scripture to be something written to us personally, him that he separated it. He gave us one wholesome truth like this: Genesis to Revelation. What is in my Genesis to Revelation is what is in your Genesis to Revelation. The interpretation must be the same. Are you following me? Now, you may be saying that, but somebody may not have the uh, the knowledge that I have now. That is different. That's spiritual growth. 
the, the interpretation will still be the same. Somebody may not have the light that I have, right? He may have a higher light, right? When we meet and he's explaining to me, he will be explaining within the context, within the writings for me to know better. But the truth is still the same. Do you get my point? Yes, sir. So, So we have a general letter. We have a general letter, a general scripture, a general writing, written to all of us. And that interpretation will be in the Son, will be in Christ Jesus. Praise God. The truth does not change. The truth is the same. If the gospel will save every creature, and it does, it must be preached, communicated the same way. It, we must say the same thing. Not that somebody will be in London and he will say, the way to salvation is just, just a little here and there. And someone in Nigeria we say salvation is no other than in Jesus. Doesn't work that way. The gospel has been preached and communicated as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In Egypt, it must be that. In Cyprus, it must be that. Do you follow? So if the Bible is the container of the content of the gospel, the truth, sorry, sorry, please, the truth, one minute, it's my pain, the truth must be consistent and the same. The truth must be consistent and the same. I'm going to close with this, that as Bible teachers, you can saying the same thing, saying the same truths may be boring, Right? Somebody say, ah, oh, we're waiting for now. First, you say it again. Say it again. Just say it again. Truth may be boring because it's consistent. But it's, it's, but it's the same thing. The reason why something is called a lie is because it varies. Amen? Amen. The reason why something is called a lie, when you say false prophets, false teachers, right? It means that there's an there's a change, they are changing things there. Praise God. If you are going to be a faithful follower of Jesus, you must get used to the bottom of truth. Just say the same. Sometimes it may be exciting, sometimes it may not. But it is the truth. God doesn't speak to your fancy. He speaks in spite of our fancies. So like Paul would tell Timothy. Right? Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. 
preach it. Saying the same truths. If you read that text very well, Second Timothy chapter 4. He says, in the last day, it says, they, they will heap up teachers and they will want to hear fables. You know what fables is? Fanciful stories. And the funny thing is that they will take the scriptures. They will use the scriptures. But they will not take the reading. They will use the scripture, but they will not take the reading. In the reading is the truth. In the reading is the interpretation. Praise God. So as Bible studies, don't, don't let people tell you, let us spice up things. Let us, let us spice it up. Let's talk about, let's talk about, let's make the world like a drama. No. Don't make the word drama. Teach it. Teach it. That is where life is in. Cheating, in cheating is where life is in. Life is not in drama. Life is not in entertainment. The cheating of the word cannot be entertainment. It will lose its value. It will lose its power itself. Paul said the preaching of the cross is the power of God. Preaching, 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 preaching. Preaching is the power of God. You will stay with that as a Bible study teacher. You will stay with an interpretation like that. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. So do you understand? Do you understand? So nothing must change. Nothing must change. Nothing must change. I want to admonish you with this statement. Go and look at how the apostles address those who came to preach another gospel. Go and see how they did it. It was not like, uh uh-uh. It's not like that to, uh come on. Uh uh-uh. <laughs> No. They use strong words. Paul say, let him be accursed. Say, do we or an angel? He even mentioned themselves. Do we or an angel come to you and preach another gospel? Galatians chapter one, verse four to to, to, to eight. Say, let him be accursed. The scriptures are already defined. You can't change what is there. You can't. If you, if you decide to change it, you want to become an heretic. Stay with the definitions. Stay with the terms. Stay with the paragraphs. Just stay with the word. The blessing is daring. The blessing is daring. Just stay. Just stay. Say, I stay with the word. I stay with the word. I stay with the written word. I stay with the truth of God's word. I am consistent with the interpretation. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Uh, I think I just, I, 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 sir, it's time, Abby. Yes, so do we have any question? 
let's this time around is to ask questions based according to of course you know we have a lot of this so let's ask based according to what we uh dealt with today i think it will be more fruitful for us yes i have questions uh, <laughs> Don't worry, man. Of I'm here. From what we discussed, from what we discussed, brought up. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, yes. What is the question? Yes, we discussed on um, this when we're talking about the bread in John. Yeah, yes. six. And it, we understood that it was not literal bread and wine. So it now took me to Mark 14, 26, as well as 1 Corinthians 11, 23. Okay, 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 wait. Let's go there. Mark, did you hear the one? Mark? Uh, yes, Mark what? Mark 14. So what's the question? Yeah, so and um, we talked about the fact that the bread was really referring to was his life, his body, him dying and all of that. So and it's he now it now basically says that it's a symbol, basically it's like a type of him giving his life. And then taking it now to this that he said so that because of time, so it's fine. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. These do as often as they drink it in remembrance of me. So, is this, if this is referring also to the body and blood of Jesus, Receiving him, believing in him. We keep doing it physically, literally. How does it translate? That's your question, right? Yes, sir. Okay, first and foremost, John chapter 6 is different from 1 Corinthians 11. Okay? Okay. Yes. Again, you must, again, each text has, each text you must stay with the reading, okay? Back to the first point I've said. So in John chapter 6, what did we see eating and drinking as? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Believing, right? Believing in him and you have eternal life. That's what we saw it as. So um, when you when when there's a, when something comes up in your mind like that, a contradictory text, which is very good, then be like, okay, are this the question you should ask is are they saying the same thing or are they 
Is it speaking of another thing? So the way to know, right, is to now also read that text, right, that you just like this one that you just put in First Corinthians chapter 11. You have to read that text in context. So um, let me just do, I mean, what um, a quick an- analysis of that. So if you go to First Corinthians 11, right, um, the issue you should find out is uh, in First Corinthians 11. Um, read verse 29. Someone should read verse 29 first. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Okay. So it says, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, <clears throat> now go to um, verse. Um, where is it? Okay, read, read 27. Yeah, read 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Continue. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we okay, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. So, what, what I want you to pay attention to is verse 30, actually. So, he's saying that if they drink and eat, they do it unworthily, and as a result, many people, many people are sick and sleep. That is, many people are sick and they die, right? Yes. Huh? Yes, sir. So, the, so the question is, the question is, does drinking, does drinking something, right? Can drinking something kill you? What he's talking about. So when you drink the Lord's body, you can die. Oh, uh, Lord's blood, you can die. No. Hmm? Don't let answer now. Don't let only you get the answer. Everybody, I'm talking to everybody. What's your name? Is it Christy? Elizabeth. Oh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, Elizabeth. So the question is, does the, if you drink the Lord, what did he say? Uh, unworthily and blood, and, and blood, unworthily and the blood of the Lord, does that kill a person? No. Okay? Doesn't kill a person. Right? Let, so let me just, let me just give you, let me just give you logic, so, something logical to think of in the scriptures. Now, this place, that Paul talk, quotes in Luke 11 verse 24. Do you know Paul is quoting a place in the four gospels, right? Yes, yes. Why is the only the lady that I want? I want everybody. I want to know yeah. that everybody is with me. Okay. So the guys that the guys that did this were they unworthy guys? If you go, if you back it up from verse 17, he was telling them that they, when they come, anybody people eat. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't let us go there first. We're just talking about 24. I just, I'm, I'm trying to create a set, a certain thing in your mind before I really go to where, where you are going. Okay. So in Luke 11, 24 to 25, you see that Paul quotes a reference in the four gospels, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So the question is, the guys that in, in in that event, those guys, the disciples of Jesus, 
were they were they were they saved? Were they born again? They were not born again. It's, it's fair to say they were not born again. But and when they took it, did they die? Did any of them die there? No. So it means, listen, so it means that what Paul will be speaking of, right, will be, it will not be something about the Lord that pertains to the Lord that kills the person of people for sick. It won't be. It won't be. Or will it be? No, it won't be. No, you can say yes, it will be, then read it. It's not a problem. <laughs> it's not a problem. Don't, uh, don't think that I'm trying to say, uh, okay, maybe the pastor is trying to say yes. You can say no, it's not a problem. Don't read it. Okay, now let us read. Verse 11. Sorry, verse 17, not verse 11. Verse 17. First Corinthians 11, 17. Now, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you what? That you come to Together, not for the better, but for the worse. So Paul is talking about their gathering. That's the first thing. Okay. Right? They yeah. come together. So Paul is saying, when they come together, they don't come together to get better, but they come together to become worse. Right? Yes. Okay. So the question you have to ask is, how? I mean, you can just come together. How will I be? How will I be better? How will I be worse? Right? You have to ask. So let's read. For first of all. When you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, divisions, heresies among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. So division, that's what is that's one of the things that are coming together and discussing, making them worse, right? Yes. Heresies, right? Don't, don't lose now. Don't lose verse 20. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. What is the Lord's Supper? What is the Lord's Supper? Eh? Eating the bread and the blood. Let us slow down. The, the question is, he says the Lord's Supper. No, so, now, supper means food, dinner, to eat at night, Abby. Hmm? Hmm? Yes. Answer me now. Like some, of you, some, of you, some of you, some of you, some of you are going to have supper, Abby. Okay, one is one is well again. So it says you come together to come and eat the Lord's Supper. Okay. It says for in eating, everyone taketh before his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is what? Drinking. Can that be what we call the Holy Communion? No, can't. He can't. He's talking about a meal that they eat. Yeah. That's what, how many of you, how many of you have heard of love feasts? Yes, yes. Where believers come together and they share yeah. food. When I was in Cyprus, we used to do it in Venice here. Yeah. 
So this the Lord's Supper here. Now let me let me just let me just make let me just make it more clear. Um, so it's not it's not it's not a mega food. It's not a small food. Hmm? Yeah. It's not it's because the answer to it is in verse twenty one. Why it's not it's not is that people go home hungry. That means they literally come to eat to be fed. Eh? Yeah. People go home hungry and some people go home drunken. That means some people ate too much or drank too much. So it's not a small meal. Amen? Amen. It's not a small meal. Okay. Let me just, let me, let me drive up something quickly. Uh, permit me please. I want to, I want to tell you the Greek word of the word supper. So that it just makes, it gives you more clarity. Sorry, I don't know if I just want to check my device. So, um, the word supper is the word, um, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's called defnon. D-E-I-P-N-O-N. And what it means, it means a large meal. Hmm? If you, if you have a big Bible there, it means a large meal. In fact, it is called a banquet. Do you know what a banquet is? Yeah. That's what it is called. A banquet. So it's not like they'll just say, take this one, take that one. So Paul is addressing something that is causing division in the church. That's the Corinthian church. They come together and there's heresy, there's division. And he's now saying that people eat too much. And when they eat, some people are hungry. So how do I know that people eat too much? It says, uh, verse 19, for there must be also errors among you that, I don't know, that's not it. Yes, 21. For in eating, everyone take it before. So it's like, it's like, I don't know if you did it when you were young. You understand? If they give you rice, me I used to do it. If they give you rice, you want, you hide it. You go and hide it, and you come again on the line. He said, I've not taking it before. No, I'm just coming, I'm just coming, I'm just coming. You understand? So you take another one. So you have two, you have three, something like that. So that's what's happening in the Corinthian church. So people are taking more than the other. Eh? Are you listening? Yes, sir. So in your mind, take away the communion table. It's not, that's not what is here. Eh? Yes, That's not what it is. The Lord's Supper is a chief meal. Why is it called the Lord's Supper? It's called the Lord's Supper is because it's believers. Believers are eating that meal together. It's of the Lord. So it's not the communion table. Are you following? Yes, sir. Okay. So it says, look at now, now read 22. What did you now say in 22? Someone, um, Elizabeth, read 22. Verse 22. What do you what do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? Stop and shame those who have what? Nothing. Paul is saying, can't you eat in your house? Don't you eat and drink in your house? Why come to the house of God and shame other people that probably don't have? Because those other people are coming to eat too. Do you understand? Yes, sir. 
is the reading is the reading I'm reading the same thing you are reading? Yes, sir. I've not imported anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It says, "What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. I can't praise you because you are just behaving anyhow, eating anyhow, not allowing other people that don't have to eat." So, having said that, yeah. what did he now do? He now brings an example. He's still addressing the same thing. He brings an example. Now pay attention to the example. For I received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. When he says, I received of the Lord and I delivered unto you, somebody told him, it's not a vision. Somebody told him because he was not there. Who would have told him? Luke. Luke was his associate. Do you get yeah. Look, and again, if you trace this text, this particular text in verse 24, it's exactly the words in Luke. Huh? Yes. If you check Luke chapter 21 or 22, you see it. So it says that, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had gave thanks, he broke it and said, take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. These do in remembrance of me. Is he explaining or is quoting? He's quoting. He's quoting. He's quoting. He's telling you what Luke told him. He said, after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. These do he in as he as often as he drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as he ate this bread, no, sorry, for as often as he eats this bread and drink this cup, he did, no, sorry, you do, you show the Lord's death till he comes. You show the Lord's death till he comes. Has the Lord died? Yes. Okay. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup, of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the lamp. Sorry, sorry. And the blood of the Lord. So again, 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood. What does that mean? Now, the bread and the wine, right? That is being served. Paul is saying. Okay, now the question is, how then? Let me, let me put it like this. The question is, how then is it done on what In this reading. The way they have been, some people come to eat more than the other. Exactly. So Paul is saying, if you do this, right, you are guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. What does that mean? What does the body and the blood of the Lord do to believers? Now, now, what does he do to us? The reason why we call ourselves brothers and sisters is because of what the blood, right? Right? We are unified in that. Right? So Paul is saying that when you when you eat this way, Right, you become a shame to your fellow brothers and sisters. Yeah. 
who are unified by the blood. Okay, now you probably may not see 28. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Not what? Not discerning the Lord's body. What is the Lord's body? What is the Lord's body? Is it bread? What is the body of the Lord? The church. The church, human being. So anyone who is eating any when they come to eat, he doesn't understand that that is brother and sister. Discerning. He doesn't understand. He says, for this cause, many are weak. Why would people be weak? Because they are not eating. <laughs> That's it. They are not eating. Okay. He says, why are they sick? They are not eating. They are, because in the church, everybody comes together to eat. We can't do it today now because seller. Anyway. Yes. So, <laughs> so <laughs> if, watch it, 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastised of the Lord. That we should not be condemned of the world. Wherefore, my brethren. Oh, yeah. Please read 33. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Wait. Don't rush. See, that's what these people are dealing with. Corinthian church. It's a big issue. You say, wait. Paul is teaching. say, wait. Don't, so that you will discern the Lord's body. The discerning of the Lord's body is not bread. It is believers, Christians. Understand that, ah, okay, okay, bro, go, bro, don't worry, I will wait behind, go, go. He takes up, then another person comes. Verse 34, and if any man hunger, uh-huh, you see, says, if you are hungry, what should you do? At home. At home. At home. Don't come and be greedy. That you come not together unto condemnation. What will be the condemnation? Brothers are getting sick. Brothers are dying. Because you are not giving them food to eat. And because of another brother's greed. Not that they will go to hell. And the rest will I set in order till I come. So let us give, give, let me give you a submission. What Paul is saying here, the reason why he quotes the communion table, right, is to talk about right, our unity, our, uni- our unity by the blood. Of Christ. Huh? Yes, sir. By the unity, our unity by the blood of Christ. So when he says that, look, this is what happened, right? That we are unified by the blood of Christ. Now goes back to his point and says, Oh, look, knowing this that we are unified, don't eat like a warbia. So I don't know the name of but don't eat anyhow. <laughs> You get it? Don't eat anyhow. It is not in con- the context does not support the communion table. This is not teaching the communion table, right? If okay. you want to ask me about the communion table, it is not today. Science will be a big one. I hope. I mean, Elizabeth. I hope you understand. Yes, I do. I do. So it is. Yeah, it's talking about eating. Wait for one other person to eat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man of God, maybe yes, make some comments. 
about because I think part of the question of the confusion also comes with the issue of the normal tradition, which we view for the issue of the community. community. Yeah. So the question is that, well, let me just say that because, of course, most of the time, this is one of the, uh, I, I remember, for, okay, maybe Messi is here because I was in Otterpoint. When we are dealing with the issue of uh, our teachings in the cell, something like this came up in the plan, and I told them we will have some time to read it. But meanwhile, now, yes, we can continue at the status. You understand what I'm saying? But there is a need for teaching and clarification in most of the, especially when something is a tradition and, and all the rest, need for a lot of clarity. In as much as yes, this scripture has been explained, I think if you can make some few comments about communion, it would be good also to put stress on those points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. But just some few comments. Okay. Um... The communion table. The communion table is the communion table is uh, is a dicey subject because of tradition. Now, some people hold that a lot. Okay, the question is, what is the communion table for? Right? That's the question. What is the communion table for? Now, the first thing is that is the communion table bad? The answer is no. Okay? The communion table is not bad. Okay? Is that clear? Yes. It's not bad. It's not like, ah, if we do it, ah, if we go to hell, ah, if we do it, we know. It's not all those stuff. It's not bad. Okay? The next question is, is the communion table a new covenant reality? The answer is no. Is it a new covenant reality? The answer is no. Why? The communion table, what is the other name for the communion table in scriptures? Who can tell me? Passover. The Passover. Okay? The what? Passover. Now, the Passover, so let's look at, look at, watch what I'm doing. The Passover is what culture? Jewish culture. Is the Jewish culture about what? Right. The culture, the culture. About what? When they were in Egypt. When they were in Egypt. When they moved from Egypt to the promised land, right? So there was an, they instituted a culture. Right, a Jewish culture. Now, in that culture that was instituted by God and Moses, in that culture, that culture speaks of a message. Yes, yes. That Passover speaks of a message. So, listen, for you to teach communion table, you must go back to where it all began. Okay, yes, and that is where you must begin from. Right, you must begin from where it, where it began initially. 
Jigen. Because in the book of Acts, you see Paul, right? And some of the disciples, they say, I am going to this place and I will return. I must be there before the Passover. So it was, it's like, uh, like, for example, um, like, uh, like I'm a, I'm a Yoruba person. I think this happens in Igbo land, right? That there's something called New Yam Festival. Eh? Yeah. You understand? New Yam Festival. Now, New Yam Festival, just imagine if, if, if God's plan of redemption, right, was in Nigeria, in the Yoruba land. Do you get it now? The New Yam Festival will be a culture that we want to use to celebrate Ah, the new beds. Sorry, I'm just trying to be smart. Do you get my point? Hmm? Yes, sir. So it's, a, it's something cultural. So before you explain the Holy Communion or the communion table, you have to explain that cultural fact, right? And what the cultural fact is pointing to. So let me show you something. First Corinthians chapter 5. Very quick. First Corinthians chapter 5. First Corinthians chapter five, verse verse seven, verse seven. Pour out therefore the whole leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For what? For indeed Christ, our Passover. Christ is our Passover. He sacrificed for us. So. Paul is saying Christ is our Passover, right? Christ is the Passover. Okay. So now, so let us check something out. Uh, let's just check something for the purpose of clarity. Go to um, Luke t- chapter 22, what we saw in First um, Corinthians 11, Luke 22. Luke 22. Verse 14. Are you there? Yes, sir. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desire to eat what? This Passover. With you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. How? Is it heaven until it will be fulfilled in the kingdom of God? So Jesus is saying the Passover will be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Is it heaven? Is it the marriage supper of the Lamb? No. The Passover will be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus is quoting a text of the Old Testament. The Passover needed to be fulfilled because it was pointing to something. It was pointing to something. It was pointing to the Christ. What is the kingdom? I've taught it in this church before, but I don't know if you can remember. The kingdom of God is the event of the resurrection. God's kingdom. God's kingdom is not a place. No, it's the word basilia. That is reign. God's reign. Is God, is God reigning now? Yeah. He's reigning now. Wow, true believers. The kingdom of God is, is, is alive now and working. 
The Bible says, for the kingdom of God is not in meat and drinks, but it's what? It is in joy, righteousness, in the Holy Ghost. Those are activities, activities found in the resurrection. Found in the resurrection. Jesus would teach in the book, in the four gospels. He said, for the kingdom of God is around you. The KJV will say within you. No, it's not within. It's around because it is present. But it will be within. That's by the spirit of God. So when he says until it be fulfilled in the kingdom, he's saying that the Passover will be fulfilled in the resurrection. How? And, t- and took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. Pay attention to verse 18. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. What is the fruit of the vine? He says, I will not partake of this until the kingdom of God shall come. So Jesus is pointing to what his resurrection would achieve. In his resurrection, we will see, we will be a partaker. He would be a partaker. We will be a partaker of the same fruit of that vine. What is the fruit of the vine? What is it? Well, who is the vine? Who is the vine? In the body of text, who is the vine? Christ. What is his fruit? What does he bring out? The fruit of a vine is wine, isn't it? Thank you. The fruit of a vine, vineyard, he's talking about wine. The fruit of a vine is what? Wine. Wine. What is God's wine? The spirit. So he's saying that, for I say, I will not drink of this food. That is, I will not share with this with you now. I will not take this with you now until the kingdom of God comes. How does the kingdom of God come? He is raised from the dead. In the resurrection, he partakes of it. We become the same. But he's giving them a cup to drink wine. He's teaching. Jesus is teaching. He's pointing them to his work. He's not, he's pointing them to his work. That in his work, we will have the same wine, the Holy Ghost. Look at it. And he took bread. And gave thanks and break it. And gave it to them saying, this is my body. Is that bread his body? No. It's, no, it's not his body. He's teaching. He says, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. I will tell you what remembrance means. Because that's one of the bone of contention. Remembrance does not mean that, oh, um, 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 it is it's the word anamnesis in, in, the, in the Hebrew, I mean in the Greek. It means to stay abreast with it in your heart, to think, not to do, to think. That's the word, anamnesis. So he says, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also, the cup after the supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Is the cup the New Testament? No. Is the cup the New Testament? No. It's pointing to something. The, both the bread and the cup, they are pointing to something. Okay? They are pointing to Christ's work at the cross 
and in his resurrection. He says, the, the, we, New Testament, in my blood which is shed for you. When was the blood of Jesus shed? When he was raised from the dead. His blood is his life. Jesus' blood is his life. What is the life of Christ? Eternal life. What is shed? I give it to you. When did that happen? When he was raised from the dead. So the communion table is a practice that points to something significant. The practice itself is not significant. Is it bad? No. But the practice, right, does not contain the substance of what Jesus was talking about. In the history of Israel, it was pointing to the Christ. When the Christ came, he pointed it to his work. Do you see it? To what he would do. And he's saying at that instance, what will happen is that me and you will be the same. Because I will have, I will have what I give to you. The spirit, the new wine. Not this one you are drinking. So those things are practice that points to something that is substantial. So are you going to criticize those who take it? No, you don't have to. Don't, don't get it wrong. You don't have to. But as a believer, you cannot look at the symbol and put your trust in a symbol. No. It's a symbol. The substance is found in the Christ walk. That's where it is found. The substance is found in the Christ walk. So when Jesus was doing it, he was teaching from the Old Testament, right? He was teaching from the Old Testament and he's saying, this is what it means. This is what it means. He is not instituting a practice. He is explaining. That is why he would not say that the cup is what forgives sins. It's the blood. Do you get it now? That's why he would not say, right? His body is what the bread is what is what saves humanity. No. Is what he did. What he did. So he's taking our attention away from the symbol to look at his work at redemption. Because that's where faith is. That's where faith is. A man will not get forgiven by drinking something. It's impossible. A man will not receive salvation. By taking a bread, no, he would have to look at the cross yeah. and believe it. That is the community in Christ. So if somebody is doing it, it's okay. You don't, don't there's no problem in that. It's okay. That's what that's what he wants to do. It's okay. But the substance of what is being done is not in that thing. The substance of what is being done is faith in Christ. That's the substance. Because that is where all of it was pointing to from the text of the Old Testament. The Passover is God delivering Israel from the land of Egypt. What is Israel? I mean, what is Egypt? 
in the context of the Bible, right? If, if, if you study the Bible, you understand what I'm trying to say. Egypt is a symbol of the world. And God would deliver his people, right, from, from that deliverance. He would deliver them through a Passover, right? Through a Passover lamb. Huh? Put, put the lamb, put the lamb on the, on the, he would do that deliverance through a Passover lamb. So you cannot look. So you will know that the communication is spiritual. The communication is in Christ. The lamp has now come. Will you take a lamp, a normal animal? The lamp is a person, is Jesus. And you will now say, when you take of my blood, that's when you believe me, when you take of my body, right? We are the same. We are partakers. That's what he said in Luke. We become the same. We become unified as one by spirit. So the Holy Communion, in a sense, if the practice of it, right, should not be taken as the, that's what it means. No, it's a symbol. It's pointing to another thing. It's pointing to something else. And that thing that is pointing to that is the something else is the substance, is the value there. And that is where believers must put their faith in. That's where believers must trust in. Drinking of a wine, I say this wine symbolizes the blood. You don't have to say that as a believer anymore. You have the blood in you. Mm. It's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of God. Blood is life. Life is spirit. So instead of saying I'm taking it, just say I have the Holy Ghost. That's all. That's all. Nothing more than that. I have the Holy Ghost. Because all those things, they are symbols. When the substance comes, you throw away the symbols. You put the symbols aside because now you can see the substance. Do you follow, guys? Yes, sir. So, Anybody, any believer you see that does a communion, oh, it's fine. You don't have to say, ah, no, no, you see, mm-mm. that's where it is, right? You can do well to now teach him to say, okay, this is what it was. This is what he was talking about. This is what he was speaking about. Forgiveness of sin is not in the drinking. No, forgiveness of sin is believing in him and receiving his eternal life. So when he says, do this in remembrance of me, is put it in your minds. Put the sacrifice of Christ in your minds. Stay abreast with the redemptive work. That's what he's saying. Not practice it. Because he himself is saying, look at what I'm going to do. Praise God. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just say that um, what I just explained to you probably may be difficult in your minds to understand. But if you want to do the study, let me tell you how to do it. If you want to do the study, just trace the Passover and answer what does the Passover mean? That's, that's how you begin, right? That's how you answer it. What does the Passover mean, right? Then if, if you trace that and find the answer to what the Passover means, right, then you must ask yourself, must I, 
must I continue it? The question is, if I want to continue the practice of the Passover, which is from the text of the Old Testament, that's where it's from. That means I must also try to, as much as possible to practice every other thing, right? That points to the Christ in the Old Testament. It's very important. So you cannot pick one. You cannot pick one. You must also practice on living bread, the feast of your own living bread. You must also practice it. You must practice the Passover. You must practice all those ceremonies, knowing that those ceremonies are pointing to a substance found in the Savior. I think that, that should be. So if, if you don't, if you, your mind is still dilly-dallying on it, you can follow that pattern and you'll see it. God bless you. Thank you so much, Yes. Yeah. You still want to answer? You want to answer? Yes, yes, I have a question now. <laughs> no, no, it's not about it's not about um, the other conversations we had. So you you said something about um, where the understanding of the scripture starts is by reading, uh, it's not by praying. And so you said you were going to talk about where the praying and the spirit come in. So I just wanted you to mention that briefly. Okay, thank you. I forgot that. Okay, okay thank you very much. I forgot that. Okay, so the the the. The, the praying, right, comes after, I mean, you've, you've linked the scriptures, after you've linked God's word like this. That means when you, when you, understand, for example, let me, let me make it in, an, in a very easy way to understand. So, for example, you've linked that, God's for, that God forgives sins forever, Right? Right? Learn that for God has forgiven sins. That's so you studied it, you read it, Pastor taught it, so it comes to your heart and your mind. What the Spirit does in Bible study or in Bible interpretation is that the Spirit allows you to walk in the reality of that teaching, to do the word. So that means that when you've listened to forgiveness of sins in my everyday life, right. If a brother or a sister even offends me, or maybe, I mean, or, um, I mean, I, I, yeah, brother or sister offends me, how should I act towards that person? I will act towards the forgiveness of sin. How God forgave you, so will I forgive that brother. You understand? That's where the spirit comes in. It allows us to walk in the reality of this. Pastor Marcos, can you, I'm sure you're not able to remember this, right? When he was trying to introduce me and saying we sat together, there's something he said that I can never forget, you know, when we're, when we're serving, right? So I used to go, I used to study the word of God, you know, in a particular school. So sometimes Pastor Marcos comes there, so, you know, I see him and just chat and be like, oh, and he said something that now that you study the word, it's time to pray. He says, because prayer, Cements it. As I say, that's exactly, I'm quoting in Babati. Prayer cements that word, what you have learned. So that means the Spirit of God, right, through prayer, right, allows you to walk in the revelation that you have read and understood. So the Lord has revealed about giving to you, the Lord has revealed about holiness or obedience to you, you know, of, you know, righteousness to you. Where the spirit of God, the prayer, the polite prayers, always pray, is to allow you walk in the knowledge of what has been revealed. 
Do you understand? That is the spirit work in Bible interpretation of Bible study. Do you understand, Paul? Well, yeah. And anybody, anybody that is also God, also God bless. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I I think we have we have um, 